Hi, this is Tyler Schnudy, and you're listening to On Your Way Out, a podcast of Providence Church. On this platform, we're having conversations with members of our community and beyond about making more and better disciples of Jesus and what it means for us as we leave the walls of the church building and enter the world. So welcome into the Provcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of On Your Way Out. As you can probably tell by my voice, I am not Tyler Schnudy. Uh, my name is Ellie Von Borstel, and I do design and communication stuff here at Providence. And um, normally I'm behind the scenes, um, just helping kind of put together the podcast. I guess you could say I'm the producer, um, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds way more professional than it what does. it actually it is. But don't worry, we do have Tyler here this That's week. Right. But this time, he's our guest. Wow. So, how, how fun is this? <laughs> yeah, it's very fun. So welcome, Tyler. We're very glad very to much. have you here. Well, I wanted to say that this whole, the premise of this episode is going against my whole idea behind the podcast because I don't like talking about myself. I'd rather talk to other people about their things. So you're kind of throwing me under the bus of my whole intentions with this thing. So yeah, thanks well, for that. <laughs> you can't always win, Tyler. I, I'm sorry about that. But yeah, we're, you know, we're excited to hear... Um, you kind of tell us about yourself a little bit. We uh, threw it out there to um, our listeners uh, asking if they had any questions for you. Mm-hmm. So this episode will be um, just answering listener questions. Sweet. So we we got a bunch of questions. You guys definitely did deliver with the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to kind of divide those into um, a few different categories. So I'll kind of go through what those categories are. So first... And my favorite is food. Mm -hmm. That's category number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Category number two is miscellaneous questions. So questions that didn't quite fit into Mm -hmm. the other categories. And then there is music, which is a huge part Mm -hmm. of your life. Um, That's a whole whole category. And then deep stuff. Oh, boy. So some pretty pretty big questions there. So we'll, we'll work up to that. Yeah. And then... Finally, questions from our middle school students. Yeah, that's and terrifying. Yeah. So those are just, you know, that's the that's the last one. That those are probably like the hardest the wild to answer. Card. That's, that's yes. we have no idea. So we'll work our way that. up to those. The middle schoolers definitely delivered as well. And they have there's pretty much one thing that they yeah, want to know. They're interested about about one concept. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll get to that. that. But <laughs> all right. Cool. So yeah. Let's go. Yeah, we'll dive Let's into food. Sounds good. All right. So question number one. What's your favorite restaurant for pizza? Um, so I think if I had to pick one, it'd actually probably be Buddy's, which is like a Detroit uh, pizza. It's like a uh, Detroit style, like very like thick crust, really cr- like just like it's kind of like that more well done baked, really, really good. And I actually haven't had it in a long time. So I'm not sure if it's still my favorite because mm-hmm. I think the last time I had it, I was like probably like a middle schooler maybe. And you probably had that when you were on the east side of the state. Exactly, which was before college and everything. I believe that they have one in Grand Rapids now. Do they actually? I think so. Oh I think I've goodness. actually, yeah, we've, yes, they do. We've been there and it's really good. I've, okay. Yeah, it's really I must good. go then. Yep. Yeah, there's one go. in GR. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like when I think about my favorite pizza, I always say Buddy's even though it's been a really long time. Um, and my favorite one in this area is Fricano. So I love oh, Fricano's. Oh, man. Yeah. Toppings a, on that? It's just, I go pepperoni sausage. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I love Fricano's. It's kind of a polarizing thing here, yeah, but I, I mean, it's so I'm good. team Fricano's okay. for sure. That's good. Yeah. 
it's one of the it's, it's dangerous because it's so thin. Like I feel like one person pretty easily can eat an entire Fricano's pizza. Oh yeah, I've, I've done it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, I'm, say, and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I uh, I've done it maybe not in one sitting, but I think in the course of a day I've eaten an entire yeah, Fricano's yeah, pizza. Yeah, sure. You should so. you should give it another go and maybe see I'll what happens. Try again. Oh, gosh, yeah, I'm trying to eat better. <laughs> Don't we give we me all that we all are we all are. I know. Um, so yeah, I won't pressure you too much okay. on that. So, <laughs> all right. Question number two, um, what's the best place to eat Taco Bell? So not, not what's your Taco oh, sure. Bell order, but like what, what's, what's the, the best place? The best yeah. Like oh, where yeah. do you enjoy your Taco Bell the most? Well, mine is actually very specific because this brings up a lot of memories of college because, so I went to Taylor university in Indiana and it's located basically in the middle of a cornfield and there's nowhere to eat, but the only place there is to eat within within like a 15 mile radius is Taco Bell. So that's where anytime we're going out for food throughout four years of college, it's Taco Bell. You're getting fancy. You're going to Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah. If we're trying to get out of the dining commons for whatever reason, have a night out in the town, it's basically <laughs> the only place to go is Taco Bell. <laughs> I love unless it. we were going to like Marion, which is really far away. So I have so many memories at like 1030 of like, I have like a million like assignments to do, mm-hmm. but we're just going to go to Taco Bell. Right. So we would go and... Um, you know, late at night, which is the best time to eat Taco Bell. And oh, yeah. Bring it back to the dorm room and put on some kind of show we're watching together. And then you just pack like six guys into the dorm room and just like just devouring Taco Bell. Yeah. That is to me like the like the epitome of a Taco Bell eating experience. Right. College dorm room at midnight. Basically. And like there's that camaraderie. I mean, there's a reason that those guys are up too. they probably haven't gotten oh, all their sure. work done. Oh, so we're like, all just helping each other progress. Yeah. Then like after yeah. the Taco Bell is when you really just like you know, teamwork, you dial it oh, in and sure. then you just yeah. get it all done. We were terrible influences on each other for sure. Yeah. But, but then, but you figured it out though. It's like there, we, that's we, a really, yeah. that's a really fun way to eat your Taco Bell. It's great. Yeah. I wish, and the, you know what, you only get to do that for a f- small period of your life. Very so true. So if you go to college, take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. It's not quite the same, you know, after college when mm-hmm. you, <laughs> you just get Taco Bell and then procrastinate. It doesn't quite <laughs> yeah. feel the same. It doesn't feel the same. I wouldn't though. recommend that. <laughs> You speak it from experience. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> All right. So uh, next question, I guess. What is your favorite meal to make? So this is probably a little mm-hmm. more. It's it's not fast food. It's not pizza. What what do you like to make Just for yourself? Just to make yourself? for myself. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm right now learning a lot of new recipes because I'm starting a different um, like meal plan that has some specific uh, things to cook. So um, I think this is probably going to change. <laughs> but my answer is actually probably tacos <laughs> because... <laughs> Nice. They're very easy, and I know how to do it, and I know how to do it well, mm-hmm. and there's there's not a whole lot to it. And I think um, that's what's helpful for me when I yeah. cook is that I don't have – it's not like I don't have to get super creative with it. It's just like you put the meat in, you cook it, you put the seasoning on, and then you just yeah. get your toppings ready. I think it's – and everyone yep. likes tacos. Easy, Yeah, easy to eat. Like people that are gluten-free can eat the tacos. Uh-huh. People that can't have dairy can have the tacos. Right. Whatever and whatever you you've go, got going on, you can probably eat the Exactly, taco. and you can go in so many different directions. Like, are we going spicy tacos? Are we going to go like street taco style? Right. Like, you can go in so many different directions to, to accommodate so many different like food opinions. Totally, and the leftovers are awesome. Always leftovers. Ta- you can you can reheat it. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's definitely a go-to nice. situation. I love me. it, I love yeah. it. So, and this is another maybe polarizing question. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you eat your Oreo? Okay, so I'll say this first of all, that you have to eat Oreos with milk. So if you don't eat your Oreos with milk, you're definitely doing it wrong. Noted. And, okay, so yes. And there is a s- actual specific way you're supposed to eat Oreos with your milk. And not many people know this, but my friends from Chicago taught me this trick. So 
apparently when Oreos were first, uh, when they first came out, they were marketed to be eaten in a specific way, and there were directions on how you're supposed to dip them in your milk. Wow. Yeah. Not many people know this, um, but this is, it's, it'll be hard without a visual to see, but this sure. is really what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take like a glass of milk and an Oreo and dip the Oreo halfway into the milk. So half of it is submerged and half of it isn't. Sure. And you count to five. You count five Mississippi and you hold it in the milk halfway. And you count to five and then you let go of it. And the Oreo will slowly sink into the milk over the next like five to ten seconds. And then as soon as the top part of the Oreo is fully in the milk and you can't see anymore, then you scoop it out with like a spoon and then you eat it. And it's like supposed to get the perfect consistency of like the milkiness to the crunchiness and it's like it'll be exactly the same every time if you do it like that wow that's how you're supposed to actually eat an oreo that description made me feel like i was there <laughs> um minus having the actual oreo which is a little less fun but i mean it was definitely i i see yeah. it good well, description tyler yeah no that's how you're supposed to eat it and so okay. i don't always do that it's, it's a little more time consuming sure but you should try it out because it's actually how you're supposed to eat them how they were designed to be eaten I'll by try. like the engineers that know what they're talking about <laughs> the oreo engineers yeah, yeah exactly. nabisco engineers exactly. correct yeah that's the company right, that's right. cool <laughs> <laughs> so i'll try that next time so mm -hmm. yeah i guess that that concludes our food category there we go so off to miscellaneous questions Sweet. now so what's your gamer tag tyler uh, I think this is talking about Xbox and I, if it, well, I don't, or maybe it's PlayStation. I don't have a gamer tag. So I, I do play video games a little bit. I used to play more when I was like growing up, but like as time has gone on, it has become less and less like a thing that I do, I guess. But mm -hmm. my relationship with video games is basically if I'm ever going to sit down and play a video game, it's basically to unwind and not to like get really into it. So I don't really play like competitive games that much unless it's like Mario Kart, which I really like playing. Mm -hmm. But I do like games that are like, you can just kind of like relax with it and just kind of like turn off a little bit. So a game that actually I started playing recently is called Stardew Valley, which is kind of like a farming thing. Maybe you've played games like it, like on Facebook. I don't know. But you just like, you basically just own like a farm and you just plant stuff and you go to the store and you buy seeds and you just take care of your stuff. And it's just like a little second life. It's really therapeutic. I've actually played a ridiculous amount of Stardew Valley, <laughs> so amazing. I know what you mean. It's the best game, so I so would recommend. Uh, it's, and again, it's it's like you don't have to do anything. There's no real no. goals. You can just do whatever you want, and you can just kind of create your little yeah. farm life or whatever you want to do. You yeah. go mining. You can go fishing. I know, and the soundtrack like, is great. I describe it to people as a brain massage. I've tried to yeah. get a lot of people to play that game, um, and yeah. so far... Only one has <laughs> tried it. So it's a great game. Yeah, it's yeah, really it fun. is. I would recommend it for sure. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well that's a that's a fun fact. Mm -hmm. So yeah, question number two. What's it like to lose at office trivia? Okay. Well, this is a personal attack, and I know who <laughs> asked this question. Um so if you don't know this about me, you probably don't know me very well, but I love The Office. This is my favorite show. It's probably my favorite thing that's ever been released in terms of movies or TV. And I know a lot about it. Um, and there was a situation that was basically an injustice that occurred in which I <laughs> technically lost a game at office trivia to somebody, oh, but no. it was, it was, it was kind of on unfair grounds and oh, no. I would contest the, the results of that. So I actually, I would say, I don't know what it's like to lose office trivia because I don't believe that I really ever have. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you can ask me more about that if you want more details. Sounds good. This is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's some history. There's here. a little bit of history there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, we'll just let that one go. Then. We'll let, we'll we'll let, let that, that be. We'll let we'll, that. We'll, we'll let that sit. Yeah, we'll let that simmer there. <laughs> simmer. I like that. Okay. So, question number two, or no, number three, actually. Why mm -hmm. is your hair so floofy? Mm. It's unnatural. <laughs> 
So that is a that is a blanket statement there. It's unnatural. Well, um, I don't know. Other than I have to say it, it, it is natural because I really don't do anything to right. it. It just it must have just a natural floofy quality. Um, it maybe just looks like you you do stuff to it. I do. Uh, well, I it, it kind of depends on the day and how long it is at a given point in time. But I do use like um, just like pomade gel sometimes. Nice, nice. But that's I don't think that's the floofiness. I think that just I think that that's controls that. Yeah, that's, that controls the floofiness maybe. maybe. But I would say I would say that hey, the floofy hair club is where it's at. I I am a proud Are member of that floofy? club. Yeah. I would mm-hmm, say I'm mm-hmm. depending on the day. I would say, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good it's a good place to be. Yeah. I'd agree. I never really, I don't really think too much about my hair. I don't really think too much about my personal style much at all. So anything that comes off that's a positive thing is kind of like a stroke of luck. Like, it's just like, yeah. So I appreciate the, uh, I think that's a compliment. I'm not sure. Is flute? I would, I would take it, take it as a compliment. Take it as a compliment. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) All right. So who is your favorite sister? (laughs) I'm guessing, I'm guessing a sister asked this. It's a three way (laughs) tie between, uh, Nikki and Lindsay, who are my my biological sisters, and then Aaron, my sister in law. I am not going to pick favorites on my family members. So nice. smart, I love them all guy. equally in very different ways. I would say, but there is I do not have a favorite sister. Okay, yeah. well that's that's a smart answer. I would say so. Yeah, they they probably all have their like good qualities that you know that yeah, they bring out of right? you as well. So exactly. you, know, you you go to the different ones you know for different things. That is very true. Yeah. Well. Okay, so we have um, one more question. Mm-hmm. Um, another favorite. Um, uh-huh. So it's hard, yeah, hard to pick favorite people. Pick. <laughs> you're, you're being forced into some uh, wow. situations here, Tyler. Yeah. Who is know. your favorite senior? It is obviously a tie between <laughs> me and Tiller. Okay, I wonder who asked this. Um, <laughs> so if you, Tiller is Tyler Butch. If you know Tyler, we call him Tiller at Youth Group. Yeah, again, I'm not going to pick a favorite senior. I, I will say this, though. We did do our last like real normal youth group last night with the the senior class that are graduating. Um, I think we're doing a game night next week, but last night was kind of the last, it was the last time that I was going to do worship with them. So mm-hmm. um, Tiller and Jacqueline Meyer are both um, seniors that play on the worship team and I've been serving on the worship team really for so long and they are such like servant leaders like they do not do it for themselves, but they have just invested so much time into helping lead worship for the youth group and for the middle schoolers and high schoolers. That's awesome. Um, so it was really sad. And also um, Max Clem and Owen Quillen were both there who are also moving on, who are both just like inspirations to me and in, in how they've like walked with the Lord in the last few years. So um, I don't have a favorite senior, but I will say that this has been a really special class of seniors that I'm very sad that they're leaving, but also mm-hmm. very excited. And I think they're, they've all expressed and shown that they're just very ready to move on to the next phase of their life. And that's, that's so cool. really exciting for me to see. So that's awesome. And yeah. I can, I can attest to that. Tyler has talked about all of those people, mm-hmm. you know, to the staff here at Providence multiple times saying a lot of good things. So they're awesome. Yeah. They're all his favorite. Yes. All right. So next category, Sweet. um, we're on to music now, Cool. which is a really, that's like your, that's your thing. That's like, that's kind of my, yeah, that's a little bit of my jam for yeah. sure. Tyler so. Music Schnudy. Music is your middle name. Yeah, they yeah. say. Yeah, that's what they say. That's what they say on the streets. All right, <laughs> on this on the streets. All right. So, first question. Mm-hmm. Hi, Tyler. How did your musical <laughs> journey begin? Mm. Is your family musical, and when did you start taking piano lessons? Great question. Um, and all, those all do kind of like tie into the same idea. Um, I guess I'll start by saying that my family is very musical. Um, I have a 
cousin who's a professional violinist on my mom's side. Hmm. Um, and on my dad's side, like my immediate family, we're all musical to some degree. My dad's actually also um, a worship leader. Um, he plays guitar and he sings. Um, and all my siblings are, are musical too. My brother is a singer and a guitar player. Um, my sisters both sing. Uh, my youngest sister is um, actually going to school for music therapy. Oh, wow. So yeah. music is definitely, and, and also I have other cousins that are also very musical. So I think there's definitely, there was a culture from a very early age that I was really born into with people that also love music. So that was, I think, instilled in me even before I can even remember much about music. And there's a really funny story about me when I was a kid. So my mom's side of the family lives in Pennsylvania. So we would take long road trips out there for like, you know, like nine, 10 hours. And when I was younger, I was really, really annoying, especially during car rides. I just like <laughs> couldn't sit still. I was just always annoying everybody. And nice. they just wanted me to like fall asleep and didn't know what to do with me. It's <laughs> so, all right, we're stuck in the car with Tyler for nine hours. Um, and they, and my parents figured out that they got, um, they got me for Christmas one year. Um, the soundtrack to Star Wars episode oh, one, the Phantom nice, Menace, which is nice. the best Star Wars soundtrack. Yes. And um, they would, they, they played it once and I was dead silent because I was just listening wow. and I just was picking up I, my brain. I didn't understand, you know, all of the, the, the complexity of what was happening, especially in that type of music, but I was so fascinated by it and mm-hmm. I was just listening to it, especially because I knew the movie. And so I was kind of like picturing the movie as I was listening and all that stuff. So they figured out they would just, they basically put that CD on a loop for like yeah, nine hours sure, straight sure. it just shut me up. That's a great um, soundtrack too. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was fun for them to listen to it too. I, I hope so. Probably yeah. made their road trip feel a lot more epic than it, it actually, yeah, like, you know probably. what I mean? Like sometimes when you scroll through, <laughs> you get the classical like radio yeah, station on sure. and you feel like you're... Yeah, like you're Very in classy. Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. So um, it, it, I was definitely born, I think, with like a um, a tendency to just really love and appreciate music. And then, yeah, my parents um, started me taking piano lessons, I think, when I was about six years old. So that was really the beginning of me really learning how to play mm-hmm. music. Um, and it really just kind of developed from there. It took me a while, I would say, to really say that I loved music as a passion for sure. a while. It was kind of just like any kid, usually. Um it was kind of just like a chore. I have to practice my piano, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think when I realized that I had reached the level where I could listen to a song and like print out like the chords for it, like songs that I really like and learn how to play those songs, then I started to really fall in love with it because I could kind of take it in different directions yeah. that I really like to do. Um, and that was really what began the journey for me. That was probably like in sixth or seventh grade when I started to like start to really learn how to play by ear and start to, I think, make it my own, I guess. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was definitely an early, it was, it's kind of like, it's always been there for me yeah, in music right. and, um, it's just been kind of a development throughout the years of, yeah, learning to love it and learning to, um, yeah, appreciate it even more. That's really so. cool. It's really cool. All right. So what's your favorite worship song? This one's pretty tough, um, to really nail down, but I usually, cause I, I get asked this often, but mm-hmm. I, I, I have a couple now. I, I think there's two that um, are very similar and very different. Um, and, and depending on how you look at it for a long time, I've always said that my favorite worship song is in Christ alone. And I actually have a very specific memory. The first time I remember really having sort of a connection with God through worship was leading that song at my home church when I was like in middle school and I was playing the piano and singing it and something about the words of that song. Yeah. Like there was just a moment where it all made sense. Mm-hmm. And that song specifically, I think, is so beautifully written. It kind of has a sort of hymny language. It's it's right. it's very well thought out. It's not um, 
it's not meant to be a like a more simplistic song. It it really goes through really the whole story yeah. of the gospel and who Jesus is and his death and his resurrection and then who we are because of that. And I think it's just a perfect worship song. It's um, a great song. It's, it's really so powerful. good. Like the yeah. melody is beautiful. It's unique. The, I think the words are perfect. Um, so that has always been like one of my favorites. And for a while, I, I would say that that is my favorite. Um, another like newer one that I really love, we've done it here a couple times. It's not really one that necessarily makes sense to do like congregationally mm-hmm. very much, but it's called So Will I, which is a hill song. And it's also unbelievably written from a lyric standpoint. Um, I love songs that kind of make you think. Mm-hmm. And So Will I is similar in that it kind of goes through really the story of the whole <laughs> the whole universe from from creation it starts with god of creation and he formed the world and how he created it and then it moves into his relationship with us and and then it moves into his death on the cross and the whole theme throughout it is that you know if god came down to love us um, so will i so it's mm-hmm. kind of like it goes through like understanding who god is and what he has done throughout time and then it's saying, you know, if God surrendered himself, if Jesus came down and sacrificed himself for others, then so will I. So it's like it has this part where it's it's understanding who God is and then also kind of a commitment on our part and our response to it in a really beautiful way. It's like if the stars were made to worship in creation, so will I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that I like that line thing. too. Yeah. It's, so, it's so crazy. I remember the first time I really like sat down and listened to it and read through the lyrics. I was like, it just, I like songs that make you, think about things in a way that you haven't before. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely one of them. I feel like that one has a lot of like imagery in it too, right? So much yeah. Imagery. So like, that's yeah. kind of a cool other aspect that you can kind of bring into mm-hmm. songs sometimes mm-hmm. and like kind of engage in other sense, definitely. you know? So those are, yeah. those are definitely two of my, my all time favorites. That's really cool. Um, so this, this question is similar, but it may or may not have, and it may or may not have the same answer. Sure. Um, but if you had to play or sing one worship song, every Sunday for the rest of your life, hmm. which one would it be and why? Yeah, this actually, I would say, definitely has a different answer. Um, I would, I look at, I'm a very practical person, so when I think about a question, mm-hmm. I really think about like, okay, if we were really going to do this and sing one song every single week, mm-hmm. what would actually make sense? And it wouldn't necessarily be one of those songs because, because I like them. It would be like, what song would we actually really be able to worship with? Because, you know, you do any song, if you were to do any song for every week, you'd probably eventually get sick of it at a certain sure, level. So yeah. what, you know, what does that mean for that? I actually think it's a song we're doing this week. Um, I think I would probably say if we were going to do one worship song every Sunday, it would probably be revelation song. Mm. Um, because I think about the chorus, which is just holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come with all creation, I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. To me, that's like the epitome of worship. It's just saying, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And even the premise of that chorus comes out of Revelation, which is this scene of eternity where the elders are sitting around the throne and they're just singing this day and night, night and day, forever and ever and ever and ever. And so I think, depending on how you interpret that, that might actually be what we will sing forever and Mm -hmm. ever and ever. Um, It's a cool thought. Yeah, and... Even, even like singing that song, it is a little bit of an older song now, but I think it is very timeless because of that. It's straight out of scripture and it's pretty much just pure worship. If someone asked me like, what does it mean to worship? I think it's that. It's that idea of just exalting the Lord and praising him and saying, holy are you forever and ever and I'll adore you with everything I have. So I think, I feel like if there's any song that we could do every week and and it'd be meaningful, it, mm-hmm. it might be that one. Yeah. Well, that's 
that's really cool to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. So who is a musician that inspires you? There are so many I could pick. Um, I've had a lot of different influences, um, even beyond, you know, like worship music, but just like, um, yeah, instrumentalists and singers and bands that I've really, um, really fallen in love with over the years. I think I'll say, it might even change, you know, depending on the day, um, but one that has really influenced me, especially on a compositional level. So I, I was a composition major in school. I, mm-hmm. I wrote... Um, I do a little bit less of that now, which is I'm trying to find more time to do. But mm-hmm. um, there's a composer named Eric Whitaker, and he um, he writes for choir mostly. Um, he also has some um, band arrangements as well. Um, unbelievable composer. Um, I've sang, I learned him because I sang some of his music in high school choir, and um, he has this amazing way of bringing dissonance into into his music so Ooh, yeah I love a that. lot of a lot of choral music especially like classical choral music is very standard harmony um not to get super music theory but there are ways you can add color into certain chords and, and different harmonies that really add like a, a, an interesting flavor and we use the word dissonance to describe a a um an interval between two notes that like sounds almost it doesn't sound constant it doesn't sound pretty like a like a major chord it has like an interesting um, a lot of times it's used in like dissonance is used to create like unpleasant feelings right. um, in music, but he uses it in like really beautiful ways to like create this tension oh, cool. and he like stacks like all these notes together in ways that just sound very unique. Um, but he does it in a very like um, approachable way where you can listen to it. And even if you don't know what's happening musically, you just feel the emotion. Wow, and I feel like he, he, he takes... Something like classical, I mean, technically it's classical music for choirs, but it's in such a powerful emotional way. And I have just fallen in love with his style of writing. And I wrote a piece in college that was very like heavily inspired by that style. Hmm. Um, and I think even though, you know, that type of music I don't necessarily use on a day-to-day basis, especially like with worship music necessarily, um, it has definitely inspired me in like how I think about music and that it's really meant to not necessarily follow all the rules sometimes because mm-hmm. um, technically what he does is he breaks some like compositional rules that you learn in school, um, but he does it in a way that's really impactful um, for the listener. So um, that's definitely a huge influence of mine musically. That's Eric really Whitaker. cool. Yeah, Eric, te- check Eric him out. Whitaker. If you, if you want to like sit down and just like kind of like probably fall asleep and go into like some just like totally veg out and just listen to something that's going to like take you to another place. Listen to some Eric Whitaker. Okay. So you either, if you want to do that, you either play Stardew Valley or listen to Eric (laughs) Whitaker. That's what I'm hearing. Or both. Oh, wow. Okay. That would be an idea. Wow. That will, that will conk you right out. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So, um, okay. Last question, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, in the music category, what instrument have you always wanted to learn? Hmm. So, there's a few that I've always wanted to learn. I did learn through um, through uh, college. I had to take a class for every group of instruments where I had to learn the basics of how they worked just mm-hmm. so I knew how to like write for them. So I did take some percussion. I learned kind of how to play like woodwind instruments and brass instruments and string instruments. Um, I was way better at string instruments because I have a little bit of experience like with how they're tuned because I play guitar, right? Sure, um, yeah. But I would say um, the one that I've always wanted to learn is um, the mandolin. Oh, And cool. I love the sound of a mandolin. I've been doing this thing called Worship in the Woods, and we've been worshiping with um, one of my friends that plays the mandolin, mm-hmm. and it adds such a cool sound. 
it's like a kind of that folky vibe and there's a lot of like classic rock like um that uses mandolin that oh, is yeah. really pretty and i think it's tuned man how is a mandolin tuned i can't remember now but i think maybe uh maybe it's like a ukulele tuning anyway that would be it's that would be one that i would love to learn how to play and i would love to incorporate it in like some different oh, musical contexts really cool. like that'd even really if it's cool. like in in church maybe i think that could add a really cool yeah uh, element to it but that'd be really cool that's definitely an instrument that i have not learned that i would like to yeah nice all right well that is the music category then go. so now we're on to deep stuff oh boy here we go okay tyler <laughs> how do you deal with disappointment Wow, just uh, jumping right in here. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just jumping right in. Actually, if I'm being honest, I think I deal with disappointment, I feel like, pretty well. Um, I've always been pretty good at turning the page um, when things change or when things happen. Um, I, I tend to be pretty, like, present-minded, I guess, and so... Yeah, I've always been, I've always had just kind of the ability, I think, to internalize stuff pretty quickly and accept it and kind of move on. Mm -hmm. And um, so disappointment, you know, it's hard. I think it, it really depends. That's, that's a pretty big um, umbrella of what that could yeah, mean, you know? Right. So There's it, different I'm sure, levels of disappointment. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think for me, it's just kind of like, depending on what we're talking about, trying to understand sort of why something happened, I guess. And sometimes there's not like a reason, you know? Um, mm. I, I, like I said before, I think I'm, I'm very practical. And so even like when other people ask me advice about like issues and um, stuff that's going on, I can be pretty empathetic. But also I, I like to look at like, what are some practical steps that we can take? Like right. how can we help the situation? And so I think I look at usually coming out of something that's disappointing and be like, all right, it's not going to help me to mm -hmm. like really dwell on this. Right. And that's harder depending on what we're talking about, you know? to actually do, but I'm yeah. usually pretty, I can usually do a pretty good job of like, you know, grieving something and taking the time to like, um, yeah, to, um, to process. And then, and then I usually can turn a page pretty well and, yeah, and, and, right. and start fresh. So, yeah. um, that's not really helpful advice. Cause I know not everyone is like that, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, that's, I mean, they were wondering how, how you did, exactly. you know, cause different people, you know, do it differently, but yeah, exactly. that is, yeah. I think that's, that's true good. for me. Yeah. 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 You kind of now know yourself and know, like, you know, you just have to kind of force yourself to like, mm -hmm. just keep doing stuff. And I think so. Know. Right. Yeah. And definitely being active or, or even just busy with things. Sure. If we're talking about, um, yeah, like just like grieving and stuff like that. I've always found it's when I'm just like sort of not doing things mm -hmm. that stuff really rises to the surface, I guess. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do that and you have to deal with some emotions, right. That are buried. Yep. Um, but usually I can get lost in my head and lost sure. in my thoughts if I'm if I'm not doing things. So I think um, finding things to be productive or yeah. finding things just to accomplish, even if it's like really small things like, yeah. hey, I'm going to I'm going to start to say I'm going to I'm going to make the bed sure. as soon as I get out. That's or I'm going to clean yeah. this, you know, yep. just things to kind of keep you. I'm going to, you know, put this fork in the dishwasher. Literally. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to be something yep. like I'm going to go like build up, you know, whatever. It's yeah. even small just steps. small stuff because yep. I think that's important. To even keep if you, you don't feel like it. Uh, right. Yep. Um, a lot of times, a lot of things are like that where you don't feel like doing it, but then it's really good for you just to accomplish like exercising sure. is like that, you know, yep. and a lot of other things too. Totally. So. Yep. Five minutes is better than nothing. So that's true. Yeah. All right. So next big question, mm. what is your favorite concept in reformed theology? Love it. I love whoever asked me this. Um, man, it's hard to say like, what's my favorite concept? Um, 
I'll just kind of speak about it on a general level, I guess, mm-hmm. what I've appreciated about Reformed theology. And a little bit of background about me is that I grew up um, not in this area or associated with like CRC culture or just Reformed theology. I grew up pretty, um, like I grew up in a non-denominational church. There wasn't like a specific uh, theology that I was, you know, raised in mm-hmm. per se. So a lot of like what I grew up believing and thinking about like interpretation of scripture and whatnot had to do with just my parents and just people that were in my life, I guess, if that makes sense. So, um, it has been, it's interesting learning about like a, um, and being a part of a church that really, um, is formed by a specific type of theology and way of thinking. Um, I think what I've really appreciated about reformed theology, um, and this is a pretty simple idea, um, but it's, it's taking the combination of I would say like the right-brained and the left-brained aspects of our faith and not feeling like we have to compromise one or the other. So in a lot of um, experiences that I've had in my faith, it's a, there's a huge emphasis on kind of like the feelings that come mm-hmm. with our relationship with God and the emotional part of it and kind of our how that relates to our spirituality and not as much on just like the critical thinking part of it when I was growing up. And I am a very like heavy critical thinker. I overanalyze everything. I like to understand things on like a molecular level right, with like yeah. things that I believe. Yep. And so I am a very much, we talked a lot about this with Bryant um, on the last episode of just like really asking really critical questions about yeah. things like that. And I think reformed theology is cool because it, it doesn't, it doesn't sacrifice or compromise that part of our faith. And it tries to, and attempts, you know, like in any theology in an imperfect way um, to rationalize what we believe about God and to answer some of those critical questions. So I really appreciate that about Reformed theology. And I think there are elements of it that are very beneficial and would help a lot of believers Mm -hmm. to help like think deeply about what they believe. So I think that's, that's not necessarily a specific concept, but more of a general, um, uh, mm-hmm. a general part of reformed theology that I appreciate a lot. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So what qualities do you most admire in another person? Um, what's one quality you want to see developed more, um, in yourself <laughs> and one more, what, uh, or who is your favorite staff member? <laughs> Sorry. A lot of questions there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm probably not going to pick a favorite staff member. Um, but it depends on the day. It does depend on the day. Oh, it changes. I'll say that. Sometimes it's totally you, Ellie. I will say oh, that. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes you're my favorite, too. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're definitely not, either. <laughs> um, hey, we're honest. Yeah, we are. I think I really admire people who are very confident in who they are, even if it's abnormal to what society would expect out of them. Maybe mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah, totally. There are people who are so different from me. I think about like certain types of, um, I don't know, just like sub, I guess, cultures of, of our society. And like, even just people that really get into and are really interested in like, um, I met somebody who was just really fascinated by, um, like Star Trek, for example. Oh, wow. And nice. like, there's kind of this like um, connotation where someone's really into something like that. Like they're <laughs> kind of like nerdy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like 
there are things that I really like that are like kind of nerdy like that. Oh yeah. And, but, but I'm like, I'm, I become very like self-aware of it and like self-conscious cause there's kind of sure. like a, an image about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I really admire people that are like, I just love Star Trek and they just get into it and they'll, they'll buy things uh, like, you know, like memorabilia and yeah. stuff like that. And they just like, they're so unashamed about like oh, totally. what they're passionate about. I mean, as a kid too, I can remember like the kid that was like super into dinosaurs. Yeah. I'm like that you, yeah. you go, you know, exactly. that's awesome. Like exactly. I still remember that kid. Exactly. I was in kindergarten. Right. Right. <laughs> That's and awesome. I, yeah. And I think so. we all we all have a way of like, you know, trying to sort of fit into like our surroundings a little bit and adapt to what's considered, you know, normal, quote unquote. And so I and which is, I think, a, a really dangerous thing because we start to like hide parts of ourselves. So I really admire when I meet somebody. And even if it's like things I'm not necessarily interested in or that I can relate to, if they're just so passionate and so unashamed of like what they're about. Yeah. I really admire that because I feel like I have a lot of work to do in that. Yeah. You know, sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, too, I think you can and, you know, put too much stock in like what you think other people yeah, think about right. you. And like, really, they're probably looking at you like you're looking at the Star Trek guy. Yeah, right. right exactly. Like, exactly. wow, Tyler knows a lot about music, you know, sure, right. can, like nerd out on that. Oh, so. I love nerding out on music. Yeah. Um, That'll be another episode. <laughs> sure. So uh, maybe I'll answer the second part just in yeah, that way, sure. too. I think I'll say like something that I want to grow is maybe just um, just being really confident in my own skin. And some of that maybe, yeah, maybe it's like things that I'm interested in, but even just what I think about things and believe about things. And um, I am very much a an empath and I have a hard time. Basically what, what I'll say that means for me is that I have a very easy time seeing people's points of view. So even if it's something very polarizing, I will listen to someone explain what they believe about an issue mm -hmm. and I'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I'll listen to someone who has a complete polar opposite opinion and I'll say like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and, I <laughs> yeah, see both, right. and that makes it hard for me sometimes to really nail down what I think about things because I really can see different perspectives and sure. understand where people are coming from. Um, and usually what I found, this is, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but sure, go ahead. And a lot of those ways where there is, divisive opinions i found that they're just so often it's because there really is truth in both sides and a lot of times what i believe to be true tends to sort of find its way into the middle of what maybe mm -hmm. the, the polarizing viewpoints would be so yeah i think what i something that i want to continue to work on is number one um really having strong convictions about what i do believe and then two being able to very unashamed and very um unabashedly like share that with people right, and, yeah. and communicate that uh, effectively to people. And I think I'm, I've been growing in that and doing a little bit of a better job in that. Um, but I think that's, there's so work to do for me to be able to do that well. All yeah. The time. Yeah, definitely. So. And I think that's an admirable quality too. I mean, it is mm -hmm. hard sometimes to like get to the mm -hmm. point where, you know, yeah, like, uh, you know, you're not ashamed or whatever to exactly. like say something and, you know, cause right. there is that aspect of like, we all want to fit in too. Totally. So, and I, yeah. and I also say like, I don't, I don't want to lose the ability to like understand where people come from. Right. That's a huge quality to too. That. Yeah. I think that's something that I find very important and I try to do a lot of work to be able to do that well, because I think in our culture, that's something that we struggle to do mm -hmm. is really listen to people who disagree with us and, um, try to understand why they believe what they believe. So I think that's something I would not want to give up in, in pursuit of that, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah, and try to wait, course. try to find a way to do, to do both well is to be able to understand and listen well, and also have a, a strong conviction at the same time. Right. So it's yeah. probably, I don't feel like those have to be mutually exclusive. I, I don't think they do. I think you're right. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, what is your biggest doubt about Christianity? Hmm. 
It's a big question. <laughs> I know it is. I think my biggest doubt, um, I'll maybe answer it this way. I think the most, the thing I become most confused about is how differently different groups of people who are Christians, um, how differently we believe. You know, there's such a wide spectrum of how we would interpret certain parts of Scripture, how we live out certain parts of Scripture, and really even on a fundamental level, what we believe Scripture says. And that creates a lot of dissonance for me because I just want it to be simple. I want it to mm -hmm. be like, this is this is what the Bible is. This is exactly why it was written. Mm -hmm. This is exactly how we're supposed to use it. This is exactly how we're supposed to live as Christians. And I think there are answers answers to those questions. Um, but for me, because I just see things play out in so wildly different ways across the spectrum of Christians, it creates, yeah, just this dissonance in my mind of like, why do we seem to be so divided, you know, if we're all following the same thing? And there are certain things that have happened, like um, certain ways Christians have behaved that, and this is a very common argument, and there's a quote by uh, Billy Graham that says, the, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but deny him by their lifestyle. Mm, yeah. um, and that that is, you know, clearly I'm a Christian, I'm not an atheist, but that idea is hard for me to wrestle with when I see when I see Christians maybe act or behave in ways that I don't think is um, how Jesus lived or, or what the gospel calls us to live. Um, so that's something that's hard for me. Um, and yeah, I, I would say, I don't know if that's like a doubt as much as it is just something that's confusing. And I'm trying to better understand like um, what do I believe the gospel calls us to do and um, how can we better you know, how can we better serve what God has called us to be as, you know, his kingdom bears. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Big question. I know. Big answer. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, what teaching of Jesus in the Bible do you wish wasn't there? Cause oh, yeah, we all know gosh. sometimes it would be easier <laughs> if, you know, some things weren't there. Yeah. I feel like I, I could answer that in different questions. There's like, yeah. I could answer it, man, I wish, um, you know, this principle wasn't a part of what I have to do in right. my life, you know, or I could answer it like, um, in other ways too. Um, I think I, I don't know. Cause I'll answer it this way. It's not, this isn't something that I wish wasn't in the Bible. Cause I'm mm -hmm. actually really glad this is a teaching yeah. of Jesus, but, um, it's something that I constantly struggle with doing, which is basically, um, <laughs> the idea of picking up your cross and following him. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what I think that means for me is um, we're not called to live, you know, in the ways that our flesh wants us to, but we're called to live um, in, in a way that when we're set free from our sin and we're fret f set free from the brokenness of the world, um, we're called to a different type of life. Yep. And um, even as we're becoming sanctified every day, more and more closer to who Christ is, there's a constant tension right between what we kind of desire in our flesh and what I think God is calling us to be. And um, it's like that idea that our faith is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it's just this constant daily surrender to the Lord. That's really difficult because you, we yep. almost want to, I've noticed this in myself. I want to just sprint for a little bit and just like, you know, I just want to 
follow God really intently for this, like maybe this one crazy weekend or this one emotional experience. And then it's like, I just want to ride that wave. And I just want to like be complacent in that. But really it's every single day and every moment saying, I'm going to surrender to God. I think that's a very difficult thing, but because that's what we're called to do, um, that's really how we do become sanctified is, is doing that over the course of our entire lives and not over the course of like these specific moments. So that's like a very challenging thing about what, um, what the word of God says that I guess I, I won't say I, I don't wish it wasn't, I don't, I don't not wish it was there, but it is a, something that I struggle with, I guess. Yeah. It's easy to just, you know, kick back and do, do what you feel, like, feel doing like doing after, you know, after a day or whatever. It's yeah. just like, you you can go sit on your couch and exactly. like watch a show. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not what Jesus is calling us to do necessarily. Right, right, um, exactly. So yeah, it's easier to do that than like what, you know, he it actually is, calls us to is. do. Exactly. So yeah, that's another big question. Mm-hmm. So last question in the deep stuff category, right. where do you see yourself in 30 years? <laughs> 30 years is usually five years or 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah  30 years. Oh my How gosh. old will you be in 30 years? First I will of all? be 56. Wow. So nice. I have absolutely no idea. Um, and I mean that very honestly. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I've been learning probably in the last like six or seven months is like, um, when I think about who I think God has called me to be and and the ways that he's going to use me in my life. Um, we sometimes really pinpoint that and put that in a box where it's like, it's this specific job or this specific church or this specific ministry when really like my whole life should just be about, you know, bringing shalom to chaos here on on earth. And, um, that can play out in so many different ways. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm a worship leader at Providence church and maybe that's what I'll be at age 56. I have no idea, (laughs) but I also know that God can, God tomorrow might call me into something completely differently and I think I've become more comfortable with that idea because yeah. I'm someone who I do kind of stress about the future in different ways. And I've really kind of just been learning for myself that, you know what, my ministry on earth is not um, tied to a building or a specific community necessarily, but it's um, it's so much bigger and, and, and grander than a to pigeonhole it into that. So yeah. Um, I say that just to say, I think I really could be anywhere in, in 30 years. Um, physically, um, I could be somewhere else. I think spiritually, I, I might, I would hope that I'm in a much deeper place, right. Um, as time goes on. Um, but I guess my answer is, I don't know. So yeah. that's well, boring, but I, I, no, I mean, I mean that very honestly, like yeah, I no, that's no very, idea. that's a very real thing. I think, yeah. I think too, it's, um, you show that, you know, you are a person that kind of recognizes that, you know, you're never going to have it all like figured mm-hmm. out either. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, stuff, stuff changes and exactly. Yeah. Right. It'll be, it's life's an interesting ride. So it is. It is. Yeah. Cool. That concludes deep stuff. <laughs> um, we've got one more category for yeah. you guys. Um, questions from our middle school students and yeah. Tyler, um, actually collected, uh, questions from our middle yeah. schoolers on cards. They all wrote him questions. So, I'm just going to ask Tyler, like, if he wouldn't mind, maybe just, like, 
reading sure. a couple of those questions. Yeah, I've got a few that I thought were um, not redundant to some that we've already answered. And then there's a whole list that I'll just read through that relate to the exact, like they all ask the same question. Yeah, there's basically one question. They want to know one thing and pretty much one thing only. But there's there's a few here that I thought were kind of interesting that maybe I'll just go through in a little bit. So this is like, yeah, this is from our middle school youth group. I think on, we're recording this on Tuesday. And I think last Wednesday, I just had them just fill out any question they wanted to ask me. So um, this first one is just, what's your favorite outdoor activity? Um, I love sports. Um, I love playing basketball. That's one of my favorite things to do, like just to get some exercises, like whether it's like one-on-one with someone or whatever, I'm not like that great at it, but, um, I just love basketball. I will say that any kind of physical activity, I love it if there's a competitive element to it. That, nice. Yep. Like I could play basketball literally all day. I could play for 12 hours straight. That's cool. But, um, if I just go running, I'll, I'll like within 10 seconds, just want to stop because yeah, I don't yeah. have, I have to like make goals. You have I to guess. be playing tag. Yeah. Or <laughs> tag. Exactly. Cause there's a, there's a, cause I want to yeah, win. Totally, yeah. I don't know how you win running, you know, right. It's a little open-ended. I'm sure there are ways <laughs> I could figure that out, but so I love, I love sports. I do love biking too. That's, that's something I picked up in the last, since I graduated college, I've been biking a lot, which is great. Nice. Um, yeah, this question is, do you think Christian music lyrics get repetitive? Um, on like a macro level, like between like song to song or artist to artist, um, I guess sometimes, I mean, if you, I think you could find a lot of songs that deal with very similar themes. Um, but I think that's intentional because I think we, as, you know, as songwriters and whoever, you know, churches that are um, writing these worship songs for their congregation, um, they focus in on specific elements of the character of God. And I think so there, there will be a lot of songs that deal with like the similar concepts of, you know, God's grace or God's love or um, our identity in Christ, those kinds of things. So in that way they do get repetitive, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, and then like, I mean, within a certain song, there definitely are songs where there's very few lyrics and we just mm-hmm. repeat them over and over again. And I think that's a, that's a challenge for us as worshipers because it, it, um, I think it represents in some ways what eternity will be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does it mean to like, um, just meditate on something for a long time? One specific idea, um, from a song standpoint, it, it feels boring, but I think when you, when you incorporate that with worship and our relationship with to God, I think it provides an interesting, yeah, challenge for us as a worshiper to meditate on one idea over and over and, and really pray it and really start to to think about it in different ways, maybe. Um, so I, d- I do think there is a lot of repetitiveness, but um, I don't see that as a negative thing. I see that as a, an opportunity to worship in, in different ways. Um, so that's how I'll say that. Um, yeah. So he, so then I, now I have this stack of questions. Um, I, I didn't know this is what was going to come up. But you, uh, you did, though. I didn't. Um, <laughs> but I should have. <laughs> I should have realized this was the, the the burning question of the entire middle school youth group. So I'll just read through all of these rapid fire and then I'll try to answer it in the most honest way that I can. Okay. So here we go. Um, what is your girlfriend's name? Girlfriend? Question mark. <laughs> What's her name? Who are you talking to? Is it the girl who was on your Insta story? Tell me who she is, please. What is your girlfriend's name? How many girlfriends have you had? Who's the girl you're talking to? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Tell me more. Tell me now. Tell me, please. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, so Tyler is Mr. Popular. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know why that is so like that's just the burning question. But um, 
They just want to know. They, they just want to know. They just really need to know. The they, they to yeah, need to know. And they, they need to know. So what? Yeah. So what do you what do you have for them, Tyler? How are you going to? I don't have much question? to tell you. Um, this would be like a black and white question, like at a different point in time. All all I can really say is that I made a promise to my grandma um, that as soon as I am in a relationship, that she is the first person to know. So wow. I have to call her. Okay. first before i say anything okay so all i'll say is that i have not called my grandma at this point in time and so i am uncomfortable sharing any details until i do so wow well so, tyler we know tyler is a man of his word and right. we also know that i cannot compete with any grandma anywhere <laughs> because right. grandmas are the best it's so true. yeah i mean i'm not even gonna try to go any Force further it. okay i appreciate that because i mean yeah your grandma against she will me be the first like to know. she'll win yeah she will win yeah all right. Well, so. there you have it, folks, <laughs> middle schoolers, everyone listening. Yeah. Um, that uh, is Tyler Schnudy. Um, thanks for nutshell. yeah. Thanks for all your questions. Uh, it was kind of fun to mm-hmm. hear just a little bit more about yeah Tyler and how he how he does life. That's right. So, thank you, Tyler. Cool. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you we'll always, do a part two at some point. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. You know, there's a lot of information there. Oh, so there's, there's a lot more. There's a there's a deep well here. <laughs> there is we definitely definitely. <laughs> Not really. Could do a whole episode on food. I'd love <laughs> we that. probably could. Um. So Tyler always asks our guest to um pray mm. to conclude the podcast with prayer. So I'm gonna ask you, Tyler, as our guest, would you please pray for us? <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely okay. will. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this fun opportunity. Um. Yeah. I guess just to learn a little bit about myself and um just the ways that, yeah, you, you work in me as well as um, every other guest that we've had. Um, I just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness um, to just even this podcast uh, to this point in time and how you've used it um, just to reveal more of yourself and more of our community um, to the different people that have, have tuned in. So, um, yeah, we just we thank you for who you are. We thank you for um, the beautiful weather that we've had recently and um, how we're just reminded of... Um, yeah, the majesty and the beauty of who you are through your creation. Um, and I just pray for Providence Church as we move forward and we get ready to celebrate Easter together in a couple of weeks. Um, even in the midst of, you know, this this time that we're in, where it does feel like there can be um, just darkness and, and um, things that uh, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't ask for or expect, um, that you are still the resurrected king, um, that we can still... Um, come to you with with all that stuff, and you know us so deeply that we can um, just be confident in our Savior, um, and that that resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within us, and we can um, just be partners with Christ and through the Holy Spirit do the work that you've called us to do. Um, so yeah, we just thank you and we praise you for who you are. We pray that you would bless this day and bless each person that's listening today. Um, may you just go with them and be with them and be beside them and around them and go before them and behind them um, wherever they wherever they're going today. So yeah, we just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Tyler, and thank you all for listening. Um, we'll catch you next time for our next episode. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs>